mamas gave us till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer's pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer's a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. Going live. Hey, Leanna. Hi, Mimi. So, why are we here today? Well, today, we're talking about moving on from cancer. It's really moving on from cancer treatment, but let's call it moving on from cancer. And in a lot of cases, it is moving on from cancer, too. Exactly. It's moving on from that whole diagnosis of cancer. And and also, like, one of the things we both puzzle with right now at this stage in our treatment is, when does it end? (laughs) Yes. I mean, when does it end? And, like, where is this new normal that people keep talking about? Exactly. Like, okay. I mean, for instance, before we sit down for this podcast, we arc out a story and we're like, okay, we're going to start here. We're going to go through these topics and we're going to end here. And it'll take about anywhere from half an hour to 45 minutes. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we go off the rails. Like anything that you map, you sometimes meander and it's fluid. But at the same time, there's none of that with cancer. You know, it's just like you don't know when it's going to begin, when it's going to end. And for someone like me, that was really hard. Yeah, you have to get really used to improvising. It was it was really hard for me too. I mean, the idea for this episode came up because I have had people and I've seen a lot of people online talking about this. People that say, "Okay, will this happen to you how long ago and when are you going to move on from it?" Right. Like, I think that's very common for people to say and like well-meaning people who love you want you to move on from this experience that you had that's that was such a huge bomb dropped in your life and how do you like a number one like what is that why are people even asking this well are people uncomfortable with the fact i mean who specifically like are they comfortable with the fact that you are showing up on the dana farber what like okay so stories so like once i once i got diagnosed and went through treatment like right after I finished radiation treatment I went to work at Dana-Farber immediately after I started talking to Mimi about the idea for a podcast like you know within three months so I started a cancer podcast I went to work for a cancer institute Mm -hmm. I get interviewed because I'm convenient to Dana-Farber and I'm open about my cancer so I've been on you know the Dana-Farber website or getting Mm -hmm. interviewed about music or whatever it is I got really excited a couple of weeks ago when you showed up in my apple feed (laughs) it was my apple feed I am famous it was very famous I'm gonna make cancer celebrity catch on other people are gonna use it I don't want you to move on from cancer. I'm enjoying seeing you in my Apple feed. <laughs> no, but but I get it. Like, maybe some people are uncomfortable with your... Like, if you become famous through cancer, they're worried that you're going to hang out there. 
I guess. Like, what's underlying this? I, I guess I'm trying to figure out. Like, are they, are, they're not jealous. Because, like, who would want to get, <laughs> I mean, like, famous for kids? Maybe they are jealous. I do think some people are jealous. Do you think jealous. there's a little bit of that? Oh, like, my God. you've got a shtick. A hundred percent. I had someone uh, what tell a me shtick. when I got diagnosed, like, you're lucky that it's something visible. Like, yeah. there are people that, like, get off on the drama and... Yeah enjoy being taken care of or being the center of attention or the drama I don't know like like, some people do enjoy that there's a show on TBS I think it is called Search Party and one of the characters had like faked cancer for his notoriety or whatever oh my god yeah no it's it's a thing but so but maybe some people are just uncomfortable with the idea of someone like sort of dwelling there and maybe malingering a little bit in their cancer and diagnosis yeah yeah, I mean you don't want to get stuck right obviously like, no one wants to be stuck. No one wants to, like, wallow in the trauma, right? Right. Like, this was so awful. Let me have some more, please. Well, maybe people are also uncomfortable that there could be a recurrence and it could come back. Too. I mean, I it mean... could definitely come back. I do think every time I talk about cancer, and I'm, like, very open about cancer, and I'm also very open about how likely it is, because the fact that I have cancer is, like, not very interesting about me like everyone fucking has cancer yeah and the chances of getting it in your lifetime like if you live a normal amount of time like you are 25 or 50 percent like you're gonna get cancer and that's a lot of people i just got back from palm springs and when you tell people you have cancer and you're in a group of people eight out of ten because <laughs> they're old and oh they're wealthy God. and they can cure it so it's like it's like there is just you're you're in the club like the majority of people at, in palm springs seem to have had one kind of cancer big or small and people seem to take it as like a threat like you're next because like maybe you are no no no, no. i'm talking about people who, what i was talking about is people who've been through it who were just like oh i had cancer too it was just normative you right. know it was just like right. okay fine but right. i understand well, what you're we, saying. we talk about it as normative and i think as people get older yeah because it is normative in their lives but to hear someone like us talking about it, I guess with our group of people, I think it's people my age don't want to think about cancer or talk about cancer or it's so like foreign to them and it's something that happened to their grandma. Do you find people are uncomfortable with talking to you about it? Yes. I mean, I think everyone, I mean, cancer is uncomfortable, right? Like trauma is uncomfortable. Like no one, no one wants to talk about the shit all the time. Like I get compassion fatigue online. Like I follow a bunch of cancer survivors and cancer patients and it's so like heart wrenching. Like it's hard to watch. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I think the compassion fatigue is a lot of what I feel underlying it the just moving on thing like I know that it took a lot of people's resources to help get me through it and just a lot of my resources too I mean I'm exhausted by my journey too more than anyone believe me I I canceled like a bunch of doctor's appointments because I'm like I cannot you can't think about it anymore you can't like feel all of the feelings well it's hard and the thing is there's no graduations I mean we were talking about that like there's this tradition in some clinics of ringing a bell and it's just a cruel illusion I think (sighs) well there is like you're finished with chemo I guess it's celebrating not getting poison injected anymore (laughs) but yeah it is it is like you're done but you're not well you're not done I mean I'm not done I go back for infusions at least once a month 
month for my blood levels and to get those counts back up right. And I hope, gosh, I hope that's all I have to keep going back for because the chance is a lot of people do get recurrences and you're going to, what are you going to do? Keep ringing that bell every single time? Well, and the thing that really upsets me about the bell that I've heard from metastatic patients is that they sit there in infusion and hear people having a little party about ringing the bell and they're never going to ring the bell. Like, yeah. they never get to do that. And that just must be such a shitty feeling. Right. And, I mean, that goes into the whole ridiculousness of the idea of moving on. Yeah. I mean, if you're stage three, deep stage three, stage four, what's your moving on what look like? And that's, like, this question of, like, like your new normal. And when do you start rebuilding that? I, I come back to this feeling I had of there's no timeline here, God damn it. Like, I was so frustrated by that. Well, and there's no flow chart. No. Like, everyone's flow chart looks so different. And that's all anyone ever tells you is ever it's all different for all different people and so no one tells you anything about anything i mean it is true it's true and and that was hard for me like so i i left my job and i had to get another job and i wanted to do it responsibly not just for myself but i wanted to do it responsibly for other people too because i didn't want to go take a job that was beyond what i could handle and start it and then stop it you know i'd already mm-hmm. i'd already felt horrible about the way that i'd left my job like sort of in the middle of things you know yeah. so i didn't need that so i ramped up through a consulting gig and i was lucky enough to be able to do that well and how do you like know your own abilities when you've never done this before like how do you know when you're right. ready to do that how you, did you how did you know did you just guess well i knew because i ran out of money pretty much <laughs> i mean i just it was that simple like if i'd had more money i probably wouldn't have gone back but i was running out of money so i thought well i better ramp up and do what i can do and try to get strong so guys move on when there's no other choice that's... yeah that's it helps <laughs> i think sometimes so i i just said okay well i'm going to i'm going to go and I, I also wanted to and you know and I was really tired at first I mean I was working about 20 hours a week they were flexible hours although I didn't utilize the flexibility that much I kept pretty strict hours but I was really tired and then you know things are better now and my stamina is back up but um it's been a it's been a journey like it's like going to the gym you know what I mean it takes time and and I still feel so weak yeah I, I know like physically I'm just yeah. exhausted all the time yeah ain't got time for that it's just like it's America's tough and you got to keep moving or you know and it's it is rough and it's like in relationships too like I, I've started a new relationship since cancer and that takes energy and time and you want to spend time on it and it's hard to know there's things that really frustrate me about the timeline like I I do think I might like to leave Boston maybe and move somewhere else but right now I'm kind of linked to it till I figure out what's going on with my blood we don't know what's going on and no one knows what's going on because I was on a trial medication so well and now anywhere you go or anywhere I go like I have to think about how close is the nearest cancer center and what kind of quality am I going to get in my care? And what kind of pollutants are in the air? So I was just and down in Palm Springs, and I thought a lot about the agribusiness that's down there and the dust that's in the air. That's not good for you. Or, it's not good for oncogenes, no. what kind of insurance is offered? How right. is the state government for protecting rights of 
like like there's just so much to think about yeah you've suddenly you've got to link you're in a whole new level of dependency i think and vulnerability too i have to think about if i relocate to somewhere where i don't know people and i get a recurrence who's going to drive me to the said clinic so it's really it's hard you just you start to feel like whoa as someone who had a lot of options as a rather privileged american person um suddenly your your options not only are just truncated because i can deal with the truncated options i think what i don't love is being in purgatory and not really knowing like what's I could or should do. You know yeah, what I mean? You're like just, it's kind of like vague. you do feel stuck. Yeah. Like that's what we're saying. Yeah. Like that's what we're talking about. We both feel stuck and the timeline because like nothing's clear about like how long be- after treatment ends are you supposed to like be moved on? Exactly right. And you have to get like you have to get that running start too. I, th- I think you had just brought this up. It's like running to get onto like a merry-go-round when it's oh, already spinning around. You you are like everyone's been moving on without you, and you right. have to like choose when to grab back on. And that's like how do you even make that decision? Like how do you even? decide that you're ready to move on and take those steps when, when you run out of money <laughs> I mean that's all I need to do I'm just gonna run out of money you know what I'm just gonna not have anything it makes and things very clear <laughs> I'm running out of money. I better get back to work. I mean, I need maybe to be stronger. If I if I ran out of money, I would I would go to Utah. So maybe I need to go well, to Utah. I, it worked wonders with my my medical team because I'd been struggling with iron deficiencies and like vitamin B deficiencies for about a year, and it took me saying to them, "Look, guys, this game's gonna be over because I can't pay for health insurance after like several more months from now if I don't get a job. So let's go." And and everyone really woke up. It was interesting because it was like, "Well, we, I can't keep coming back for these nice visits." <laughs> <laughs> we don't have insurance. Oh sort it out. I should have. Um, I should have taken more time off. There is. No I don't know about that. Yeah, I, Liana. I can tell you that running start has been hard, and it's um, it's fine. And then you know, it also leads you to this question too. Once you're back on, the, let's say you're back on the spinning wheel um, of life, back on the hamster wheel of life. Do you okay. tell people or do you not tell people? Well, because it's not obvious anymore. No, like, no one knows I have cancer. They just think that I knew that I would look great with a short hair cut and so here we are right and then some people are out there we've obviously decided to be open about this but some people out there are and this used to be i think more normative do not choose to talk about this and they don't want it to be part of their story they want to move on like right away like they don't even want to integrate the cancer story into their lives it's like papering over whatever like you put it on a shelf and you never look at it again it's a lead line tea chest and i have respect for that too like i can imagine where that comes from it's not it's not my way but i contemplated it being my way well i don't know that my cancer fits on a shelf like my cancer doesn't fit in a box like it would need a lead lined like oil tanker (laughs) you know you need like one of those mountains in the desert for radioactive waste like i don't have enough room inside of me for all that shit yeah and i guess you don't want it inside of you it's like I kind of like that metaphor of like, I don't want the story inside of me. I want it outside of me. You like a cancer. You know what I mean? It's like, I want that yeah, in the you, research I want to cut that story outside of me and show it to everyone. Yeah. And see what everyone says. Yeah. I, I am... I, I do understand where people are coming from when they want to hold it out back from the public, but that's, you know, it, it is it is now for me, like, I just got into a conversation with a few people when I was on vacation about cancer, and it was definitely a choice that I could have made to talk about it or not to talk about it, and it felt super natural and fine to talk about it with everyone. Um, in fact, like, 
I didn't dwell on it a lot in the conversations. Like, it was sort of mentioned in a lot of conversations, and then we just yeah. rolled right over it because there was actually other interesting things to talk about. Right. That was well, just a piece of the story. If cancer is your most interesting thing... Yeah, we don't want to know you. Like, that's a, that's a boring <laughs> story because cancer, it's really hard, I've noticed, because I'm really open with my story, but it's really hard to not make it a downer because as soon as you say it, everyone's like, oh, let me tell you all the people that died of cancer or let me tell you this like horrible drawn out story about cancer. So the ways that people talk about cancer is this awful, terrible way. So of course no one wants to talk about cancer. And why would I want to bring that up? Because it's going to just bring the room down. (laughs) Well, and I don't feel that's everyone. I think some people react really differently to the story. I think it can bring you closer to some people, too. And actually, if it weeds out the assholes who don't want to talk about something as interesting as a young person getting cancer, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't want those people at my dinner table. I don't. Like, I, I have a lot of room. And I don't, again, I don't like it to be the most interesting thing about someone. But if that's part of their story, I'm sorry, but I do think it does tend to give people a a degree of depth. I think what we're worried about, though, are those people who it's like the one pinnacle of their lives and it was their one moment to get attention, much like someone who wins the lottery and that's their one big deal or they get weird fame for falling in a well or something. And they never shut up about it. And that's it. And that's like every story has to be. There's a name for that condition. It's like it's an actual phenomenon that happens when you're perseverating. Some, I don't know. Is that it? I don't know. Perseverating is like pondering something over and over and like you can't stop thinking about it. I don't think it. that's the word for it. I think there's a different like specific condition. It's like for lottery winners and people who like disruptive okay. events. But um, or there's a anyway, but it it's I think that that's the part that I think people get worried about the malingering. Are you going to stay here too long? I don't feel like I've encountered a lot of that, um, the negative feedback for myself about dwelling with cancer and that could have something to do with my age too because I'm 47 and you're 35 so that's a pretty big gulf in normalcy of things like breast cancer which you and I both had you know there's a lot more people who know people in our age group around my age yeah in some ways we we live in different worlds because I talk to my friends and it's like I didn't know any of my friends that had cancer like I met cancer friends my age through the treatment process but like you had had friends who had cancer right different kinds spots here and there also I grew up in a cancer cluster unfortunately so I just knew a lot of people who had cancers at a really young age strangely so when you meet new people you'll tell them if it like feels comfortable yeah if, if it, it comes like... I tell them if it comes up so it came up a couple of times because people liked my little necklace around my neck that's my medical device thing my medical warning um, that talks about the fact that I have dextrocardia and so we go onto that and they're like how did you find out and I was like oh I had breast cancer and so it came up just like it came up with my boyfriend the first date we had it's and like a smooth transition well I also want to talk to people about it because if they have to defibrillate me I want them to remember that <laughs> like move that piece of metal aside and you have to switch the pads that's what it says in the thing so when it, yeah so the answer is when it comes up organically and it comes up just in an interesting way much like I wouldn't bring up any topic out of the blue <laughs> hi I'm Mimi and I drive a silver SUV nice to meet you that would be weird hey, you know like, gonna, it has to come up naturally <laughs> I'm gonna judge you on your silver SUV well, I do. can I can determine things about your personality from that. Yeah, you definitely can. <laughs> You're bright and reflective. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah. So I think that, you know, I think that if you do bring up things weird and randomly, yeah, people will make assumptions in weird ways about you that about being bright and reflective. Um, 
which I am. Well, so, does that bring us to our protocols? Yeah. So what's your protocol, Anna? I mean, I think my protocol is you show people your cancer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I've done. And I don't suggest that everyone, like, have it all out on the web. But in some ways, it's totally easier for me because... If you know my first and last name and you Google me at all, like you find that I have cancer. So I don't feel the need to tell people because, I mean, they might just look me up. Right, exactly. It liberates you from having to have the awkward dialogue. Yeah, because it's, right. it's out there in the universe and they could find it if they wanted to, but I don't have to talk about it. And you think that showing people your cancer is a way of like moving through the treatment? Like it's part of moving through it is putting it out there? I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, putting it out there to someone I think is important mm-hmm. because if you don't show anyone your cancer... Like, you're just in a cold, dark, lonely place. And maybe not moving through that trauma. Maybe staying in that a little bit. Yeah. Depending on who you are. You know, I think it does make it, like, there's all sorts of different strokes from folks. I mean, I guess my protocol, and I guess it's the same with with this as it is for almost any kind of thing that, that one is going through, is if you can, and if you have, are so blessed to make a choice, leave while you're still having fun at the party. Like... You know, if you're using the cancer community and it's serving you and you're at, you're giving back to it and it's feeding you, great. And if you find that you're five to seven to 10 years out of your treatment and it's like an old story, let it go. You know what I mean? Or like the other option is you just get a recurrence and you never get to leave because then you're stage four or you're dead. You're always at the cancer party. I mean, then it doesn't, it's not your problem anymore, right? I mean, I feel like it's a party that you can step into and step out of. And, you know, it's like I'd say step out of it when you don't need it and step back into it when you do need it, if you so need it, you know, but if we're all so blessed, hopefully it's just something that fades into the past. We do our little fundraiser maybe once a year for it. And that would be great. You know, that would be great. And when it comes up in conversation, but otherwise, like, don't have cancer friends. I don't know how you got that from what I was just saying. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about, like, the cancer no. party. So I think about the cancer party as, like... I'm talking about what like, you're getting from it. Like, if you're getting if you're getting something from being part of the community, talking about it, acknowledging, like, you're, you're still going through treatment, you're still affected by it, great. If it's not serving you... Leave. Well, and here's here's what I'm thinking about. Where do I draw the line between, like, the greater cancer community and these, like, connections that I've made with other cancer patients? Like, if I st- stepped back from, like, the cancer community right. and didn't think about cancer and didn't talk to people who were in my cancer community, like, you and I wouldn't talk. I'd, like, we would talk, obviously, because we're I, friends. I feel, I really feel like there's a lot of fake friendships in this world in general, and if you just walked away from the whole cancer community, I honestly don't think many people would notice. <laughs> there's so many. I know you're special. No, but I mean, you know, life would go on, and you'd keep the few cancer friends that were beyond cancer, that you bonded in different ways, and then the rest will fade into the taillights, much like you know, if you've gotten into archery at some point in your life, but then you've fallen out of it because you got a shoulder injury. Well, you're not going to hang with those people. Maybe there'll be two people that you still hang with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's okay. what I'm saying. That's what I think will happen. Much like when you go to a party. If you if you go to a party and you walk away with, like, wanting to, like, have coffee with one person that you met at that party. That was a good party. That's a great. That's that's great. And I feel it's sort of the same with any time of life. I mean, there have been times where I've been more involved in the yoga community and I've had more yoga friends. Well, I'm less involved, but I still have quite a few yoga 
yoga friends that have been tried and true because they're just cool people no matter what. So I feel like it'll be the same with the cancer community and journey and treatment. And hopefully, I mean, I think you and I are both seeing less hospital visits right now. And that's like certainly feels <sighs> great. Well, and cancer is certainly less a part of my life now. I mean, there's whole days that I don't even think about cancer. Yeah, there's days that I don't think about cancer. There's very few days that I don't think about some of the ramifications and puzzles that it's left me with from a lifestyle perspective. I think about that every hour of every day that I'm conscious and probably in my dreams too. So it's, I'm not through it yet. I'm still moving through it. I can definitely say that. Yeah, I'm moving through it. So listen, thanks for being here to help me go through this because I really like to have you to pull the oars with. And to, like, reach out and grab me when I fall overboard. Yeah, Leanna, I see the shores in sight. The other shores in sight. I don't think think the Grim Reaper's over there, but it's foggy. (laughs) So we're going to keep going? We've got to keep going. I don't want to go back to the other shore. There'll be cancer. (laughs) Okay. We've got to row forward to the other shore. Thanks, Cancer, for the motivation. All right, listen. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks, Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks, Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. Traffic stopped, you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, Where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card, we're your passport date, cause cancer's damn hard. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. <laughs>